uh, what we're going to see today is, believe it or not, our country once again is under attack. Okay? And the difference is this time it's coming from within. And we're going to see that. And as Christians, that's why I wanted to stand up because the scripture is clear. We're all soldiers for Jesus Christ. Hello. And we serve our heavenly commander, number one. Right? But we need to have that same faithful attitude, that same veteran attitude uh, as our military servicemen and women. We need to take a stand. We need to take a stand, number one, for Jesus Christ. The time is critical. We are under attack as a nation. Uh, and, uh, but what's going to turn our nation around is Jesus Christ, number one. Number two, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. This is the time to stand up, speak up, and take a stand for what is right, for righteousness, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and for our country. Because, folks, what we're going to see today, this is not make-believe. There is treason from within. And what we're going to see is it makes no sense until, shocker, you get into the Bible and you find out what exactly the Antichrist is going to do in the last days. And believe it or not, it's already being thrust upon our own nation. That's how close we're getting. But I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Time to get motivated. Amen. Amen. All right, check this out. There's these two guys, and they were stranded on this deserted island. And get this, one guy, he just sat there under a tree, and he did absolutely nothing. I mean nothing, right? Well, the other guy, he's, he's looking all over the island, right? So looking for something to save him or some way to get off the island. And he comes back to that first guy just sitting there, and he says, hey, man, there is nothing here. There's, there's no food. There's no shelter. There's no nothing. We're going to die. But the first man, he just, he just sat there, and he simply said, I make $10,000 a week. And he just sat there. So the other man, he, he leaves again. He goes all over the island once more, and he comes back. He's totally dejected, and he says, we're going to die. We're going to die. There's nothing out there. And the first guy, he replies again, I make $10,000 a week. And he just sat there. So the second guy, he decides to go one more time and take a look on, on the island one final time. And he's searching here and there, high and low, all over the place. He comes back in utter despair and he simply says, there's nothing out there. There's no way to get off this island. We're going to die. And the first guy in total peace just sat there. And again, he replied, I make $10,000 a week. And then he paused and says, and I tithe. The deacons will find me. Folks, I don't know about you, but me personally, I'm so glad that John Gibson made it back alive this week. You know what I'm saying? Give it up for our deacons here at Sunrise. They're faithful. I'll hunt you down. That's right. But by the way, John, that's the last time you go to the Bahamas alone, right, Ruth? <laughs> I'll teach him. i tell you what. But seriously, folks, what's going on there is it actually John's mishap apparently last week is sad, right? Okay. And the reason why it's sad is because it brings up another sad misconception that our world has about the church. How many guys have heard this from the world? All the church wants is your money. You've heard that before, right? And folks, hopefully we know that that is a misconception, okay? But believe it or not, that's not the only misconception our world has about you and I, the church. Another one is this. They think that somehow when you and I disappear just like that as the church at the rapture, that somehow they're going to be just fine. Somebody will come rescue them. No, they won't. That's a misconception. You better get that out of your brain. The Bible is very clear because you continue, unfortunately, to refuse to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You will be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation, and that is not a joke, okay? The Bible says it's an outpouring of God's wrath on this wicked and rebellious planet. He's going to have the last word. Jesus clearly said it's going to be a time of greater horror than anything this planet has ever seen or will ever see again, and that unless God shortened that time frame, what would happen? The entire human race is gone, completely wiped out. But praise God, God's not just a God of wrath, which again is not bad. That means he's going to put an end to all this baloney going on. Hello, that's good news. But he's also a God of love as well. And because he loves us, he gives us in advance, 2,000 plus years in advance oftentimes, 
warning notice when the tribulation is getting near and the rapture even closer than that that starts prior to that. So in order to keep you and I from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, even worse than John Gibson making $10,000 a week, what? Hey, give it up for John. He's buying lunch for everybody at sunrise today. Woo! Yeah. All right, let's just move on. We're going to continue. That's right. Uh, in our study, the final countdown update. All right, and we've already seen the first nine updates on this study, and that is the Jewish people, the Antichrist, modern technology, worldwide upheaval, the rise of falsehood, the rise of wickedness, the rise of apostasy, the rise of a one-world religion, and last time we began the rise of a one-world government. And what we saw, the Bible clearly says, when you see all the world's governments on the planet coming together as one, which is happening right now, today, all over the world, and that's not just some conspiracy theory, folks. It's out there when you do the homework. We saw that with the quotational proof. These guys even admit it. That's exactly what they're up to in their own words. I'm not saying it. They did. A new world order, an international global society, whatever you want to call it, it means one world government. They admit that that's what they're up to. Number two, we saw the coercive proof. And what we saw is they guys are forcing us to go along with this, whether you want to or not, with a universal court system, global judges. I didn't vote for that, did you? and a universal army to put down any resistors who won't go along with it. But that's not all. The third proof, we know, folks, we are headed for this last day's one world government is what I call the union proof, okay? The union proof. And believe it or not, I'm talking about something way worse than the Teamsters. And for all of you who are part of the Teamsters, I'm joking, okay? Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm talking about the last day's ten horn kingdom or unions that the uh, Bible says that the Antichrist government is going to be split up into. Exactly ten, okay? But let's remind ourselves of that text, Revelation 17. Revelation 17, we're going to read verses 9 through 13. The Bible not only talks about the Antichrist we saw last week is going to have full control, authority over the world, a one world government, but then it starts to give us some more intimate details. This is the only book on the planet that tells us what the Antichrist is up to. So is it any wonder that people, the enemy has got this thread going through the church today, don't study this stuff? I mean, if I was the Antichrist, I wouldn't want people to figure out my game plan. So that's what he's doing, and we've talked about that before. But we're going to see specifically how this government is split up, okay? Called it down to a T. Revelation 17, let's take a look there at verses uh, uh, 9 through 13, the Antichrist uh, kingdom. Let's take a look there, uh, and says this on verse 9. He says, this calls for a mind of wisdom. How many guys got a mind of wisdom today? Raise your hand. Man, the rest of you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this calls for a mind of wisdom. The seven heads, oh, if only I knew what the seven heads are. I got to pray and fast and figure out and go to conferences and read 18 books. And maybe the word will give me a special knowledge and I can figure. I'll just keep reading. I tell this all the time. Nine times out of 10, the Bible defines for it. You don't need to come up with the seven heads represent the seven cultures of humanity. No. Keep reading. He says this, the seven heads there, as you can see, are seven hills on which the woman sits. They are also what? Seven kings, that's what he's talking about. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. But when he does come, he must remain for a little while. The beast, the Antichrist, who once was and now is not, is an eighth king, and he belongs to the seven and is going to what? Destruction. Don't follow this guy. Okay? The ten horns. Oh, Bobby, if only I knew what the ten horns represent. I think what it is, is it's this musical community that's going to go around the world in the last days and be a part of the revival and 
I'm sorry, just keep reading, John. It divides, I'm telling you. And I make that for a point because people say, well, the reason why we don't study Revelation or prophecy is because it's so hard to understand. No, it's not. That's a lie. Would you say that without any other book in the Bible? Why is it just that? Okay. But again, the 10 horns he says there, uh, you saw, are 10 kings, okay, who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with who? The beast, the Antichrist. And here it is. They have one purpose and they will what? They will give their power and authority over to who? To the beast or to the Antichrist. So according to the Bible, we not only see that the Antichrist is going to formulate a one world government, but we see how it's going to be split up. It's going to be split up specifically into 10 different parts or kingdoms ruled by 10 different rulers or kings, right? says it right there, okay? And then the point is, once that gets set up, then these guys surrender all that power, all that authority over to who? To the Antichrist. Use your mind of wisdom. That's what the text says right there, okay? But I don't know about you, but it's such a, a, a reassuring comfort to know that we got so much time to spare because we see no evidence today of our planet being split up into 10 different kingdoms or unions, and we got a long ways to go. He's using sarcasm. That's right, whoever said that. He's using sarcasm which means, excuse me, folks, it's happening right now. In fact, not five, not 122, not 14, but our world right now is being specifically split up into 10 chunks. This was prophesied 2,000 years ago. We, see, we saw this before, but let's, let's get a recap of this. This is a map that was produced back in the early 70s, I believe, by the Club of Rome, okay? And this was their suggestion as to how we need to ensure proper control and arrive at peace, uh, and this is what we need to do to the planet. We need to split it up into how many regions? 10 different regions. They didn't pick 144. They didn't pick three. For some goofball reason, they picked 10. Very interesting. That's how many today. And it's progressed. That's not just back in the 70s. It's even today. This is a screenshot from the European Union uh, Commission's website. And this is their version of the world. If you scroll down just a little bit, and if you are hooked on math and you want to count those, those are all the nations of the, the chunks of the world split up, and it, it is 10. They've also got it connected and split up already in 10. So it's not just the Club of Rome. And then if you go here to the United Nations Parliamentary Assembly website, how many guys are there every day? Yeah, this stuff's out in the open, but nobody knows where to, or we're too distracted with other things to do our homework, unfortunately. And this is an article they put back, back in 2009. Now listen to this. It's not just the planet's been split up into 10 chunks. They've got the 10 rulers. This is absolutely insane. It's already out there. This is from an article, the new research program on global democracy. What's that? Code word for one world government. And listen to what they announced. A quote, global research program facilitated and coordinated through a convening group of what? 10 persons based in 10 world regions was established last year with the core funding from the Ford Foundation. What? That's, what, what, that's exactly what Revelation 17 says and prophesied 2,000 years ago. And what did they just say? It's not just our planet is split up into 10 chunks. They're saying we've already got it set up with 10 rulers from the UN. Interesting. Wow. In fact, if you notice, folks, it's not just happening before our very eyes. See, most people have no idea what's going on in the geopolitical realm. Why are these nations doing this? Why are they moving this over here? Why are they invading this? Why are they going over here? Why is this happening here? Why are we seeing this trend? Because they're not paying attention to Revelation 17. You want to know what's going on with the countries of our world and why they're doing what they're doing? You need to read Revelation 17. They are marching towards this Antichrist 10-horn kingdom. 
And we have slowly, methodically been prepared for this, okay? The first watershed moment was the birth of the European Union. Remember that? I was, we don't think about it now. It's like, oh, yeah, whatever, because it's been in existence for a while, okay? But when it first came out, that was huge news, and, and rightly so. What is the European Union? It is a conglomerate of a multitude of countries coming together to form a union, They've surrendered their stuff and they've come together as one, as a new identity. What is that? That's what's happening here with Revelation 17. And that was a watershed event, okay? And what I wanted to give you today, the first half of our study, is an update of what's going on around the world. And I'm telling you, these guys are following this map to a T. Let's do an update on those 10 chunks. How close are those 10 chunks all coming together to build this last day's Antichrist Ten Horn Kingdom. Let's start with the first one they mentioned there, the North American Union. This is the proposed economic and political union between U.S., Canada, and Mexico, based on the same concept as the European Union. That's the model that everybody seems to be following and wanting to follow. This includes the common currency called the Amero, sometimes called the North American dollar. Uh, it's been the subject of academic, business, and political circles for decades. Now, we're going to get into that in much greater detail, the back half of this study, but I just wanted to go numerical order according to this map, the 10 chunks. Number two was Western Europe, they said, would come together. This is, of course, it has come together. It's called the European Union. Right now, it has 28 member states. Their capital is in Brussels. It's got a combined population of 500 million, representing 24 different languages, all coming together as one. They got their own international government, court system, councils, and a central bank. As we all know, they have their own monetary union, money, the euro, established back in 1999. It's the second largest reserve currency in the world now, as well as the second most traded currency in the world after the U.S. dollar but I believe China is now overtaking the United States as an economy. That's a whole other issue, okay? But number three, they mentioned Japan was going to be a union, okay? Japan's already been in several talks, if you're paying attention to the news, with proposed unions, including the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation, or APEC, which is a form of 21 Pacific Rim regions in the Asia area, as well as the China-Japan-South Korea Trade Agreement, or the latest one, TPP, or Trans-Pacific Partnership. That is a trade agreement between 12 different countries, including the U.S., Lord willing, we'll get into that in much greater detail on the topic of a one-world economy because of all this rights and stuff's going on, right now our president is pushing this, and if this thing goes through, we're in a heap of trouble. You thought NAFTA was a challenge? TPP is going to drive us in the hole, okay? But this is some of the agreements going on. And again, none of this makes sense. They're going, why would they do that? Why even would America be involved in this? Why would we surrender? Why is this country? Why are they? None of it makes sense until you get into Revelation 17. It's all the Tin Horn Kingdoms coming together. Number four, they talked about Australia and South Africa. Australia's already been in these union talks with several different countries. They already got one with New Zealand called the New Zealand uh, Closer Economic Trade Agreement, and CERTA, or CERTA for short. It went into effect in 1983, but recently, out of the blue, remember, because they're talking getting South Africa in this union, out of the blue, they've been talking about the Australian and New Zealand businesses uh, to extend this union to other Pacific nations, to provide a single market, allow free goods uh, movement and people, stabilize the region, reduce security threats, and political unrest. And that's the panacea. We, okay, all right, you got to surrender your sovereignty, you got to surrender your freedoms, and have a new form of government and all that stuff, but it's, it's, it's for your own good. That's the panacea that's being, and even here in America. Uh, is being used today. One such possibility they're talking about right now is called the Pacific Union uh, that's composed of member states from the Pacific area with a common charter 
common institutions and a common currency. So maybe this is how they're going to grab South Africa, uh, as the map presupposes. Number five, this is huge news if you've been paying attention. Well, a lot of people would say this is Eastern Europe and Russia, and a lot of people say there's no stinking way Russia, give me a break, is ever going to combine themselves with other countries. But folks, the unthinkable just happened. This was in the news, and it's like, did anybody understand what's going on? They have created what's called, uh, with other Eastern European countries, the Eurasian Economic Union. Exactly like the map says. Here's the announcement. Let's take a look at that. Leaders of Russia, Kazakhstan and Belarus have agreed to set up a new Eurasian Economic Union at a summit in the Kazakh capital Astana. And RT's Kate Pilgrim has been following the talks for us and joins me now live here in the studio with the details. Hi there, Katie. Hello. So what does it mean? What makes this deal so important? Well, it's a lot of money at stake and it's a historic deal as well. So I'm going to break it down, all the details for you just now. So this deal, it represents a new era of trade. Now, the Russian president said the signed agreement has landmark historic importance, as you can see there. Now, the ex-Soviet neighbors will now enjoy the free movement of goods, capital and services, as well as the free movement of people, 170 million people in total. And the group is set to get even bigger, with Armenia and Kyrgyzstan expected to join the union later on in the year. And as you can see geographically where these countries sit and how close they are just there, it makes economic sense for these guys to partner up. And it just happens to match the map and they're marching towards these unions. None of it makes sense until you get into Revelation 17. What is going on in the geopolitical realm? Not only that, they also have a new currency that they're proposing for this union. It's called the Altin, which means gold, referring to an ancient gold coins the Russians used to use. But it also means six, which I thought was interesting, uh, since six Altin equaled six dingy or dingy back in the day. Not saying Mark of the Beast or anything, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. Also, this new Eurasian Economic Union might also explain some of Russia's recent behavior. Since according to that map, guess who also is supposed to be a part of this union? Georgia and Ukraine. What's Russia been doing lately? Maybe they're going to try to get these guys to go along with this union. It all starts to make sense when you read Revelation 17. Latin America, number six on that map. In 2004, that's already been done. Presidents, representatives from 12th South American nations signed the Cusco Declaration, announced the formation of the Union of South American Nations. They announced their intention was to model their community at the European Union. Again, that is the one that everybody wants to follow, including a common currency, a common parliament, and a common passport with headquarters in Ecuador, their parliament in Bolivia, and the system uh, their court system, banking system in Venezuela. Number seven, North Africa and the Middle East. Well, that's a hot spot. Well, maybe this is going to explain some of that behavior. Watch this. Right now, there's a call for a Middle Eastern Union, again, also patterned after the European Union, that will combine the population areas uh, between Turkey and Jordan and Libya and Egypt under a single authority. Okay? Uh, as the Middle East Union Congress website states, you can go check it out, <clears throat> They state, quote, we dream of a Middle East that is free, empowered, and governs all its peoples in a what? A new world where the Middle East Union is in a greater in part of the global community that pledges its allegiance to the earth and every human on it. We got to form this union in the Middle East. Now, believe it or not, this is on their website. This is their logo. Notice the coexist thing. Remember that? One world religion. This is on their website. 
okay, is what they're proposing with this union, and that means that the religions are going to have to come together, and that's what's being pushed. Uh, this is also, by the way, their proposed flag for this new union. Again, coexist uh, is the main theme of that, okay? Now, this proposed Middle Eastern union may also explain why there is so much ongoing turmoil and unrest in the Middle East, why these guys keep doing this, okay? Uh, in recent years, we've seen many rulers overthrown just like that, folks. Last couple of years, all of a sudden, it's just like dominoes started following. You saw rulers being overthrown in Tunisia, Morocco, Libya, Pakistan, and Egypt, as well as invasions to Iraq, Afghanistan, and they keep talking about Iran, these are all nations in this proposed union. Some would say that these uh, uh, folks have been resisting the formation of this union, and so now they're being encouraged to go along with it anyway. And if you don't, we're going to supplant it with a new ruler who will. Interesting theory, but it might start to explain some of that. But the question is, well, wait a second, right in the heart of that is guess who? Israel. What in the world is Israel going to do? Because you know Israel's not going to go along with this because this is an Arab-Muslim-dominated union. The country's all surrounded here in this area who has vowed to destroy Israel. So you got a stick in the mud going on. Well, many believe this is when you're going to see the hand of God coming down to protect Israel. Maybe this is the impetus for the Gog and Magog War, Psalm 83. Why do these nations surrounding Israel which are part of this union, coming with the help of Russia from the north. Why are they coming against Israel? Well, maybe Israel's the stick in the mud, so to speak, who refuses to go along with this union to bring about peace on the planet. And this is what we see in Zechariah chapter 12, verses 1, 2 through 3 and 6. This is the word of the Lord concerning Israel. I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Why won't you go along with this? Come on, you're the last one on here. Just sign off on it and we can have this peace and... And God says, Judah will be besieged uh, as well as Jerusalem. And on that day, when the nations of the earth are what? Gathered against Israel, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock uh, for all the nations. All who try to move it will what? Injure themselves. Don't mess with Israel. <laughs> you know, how many times you got to learn that? Okay, on that day, God says, I'm going to make the leaders of Judah like a fire pot in a wood pile, like a flaming torch among sheaves. They will consume right and left and all the surrounding peoples, but Jerusalem will remain intact in her place. So against all odds, Israel, put this with other passages, is going to be attacked by a multitude of Muslim nations. I wonder why. But God's going to say, watch this, and they're going to be decimated. Well, I wonder how he's going to do it. Read two chapters later, Zechariah 14. He mentions this. This is interesting. Verse 12. This is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against uh, Jerusalem. Quote, their flesh will rot while they're standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. What does that sound like? Nuclear bomb. Some would say, well, it's just some sovereign act of God and he causes a plague and melts the flesh. He could. And maybe it is. I think the lesson is, I don't want to be there to find out. Okay, but in seriousness, that does sound like a nuclear holocaust. Okay, and so you put all this together, maybe this is why all this is going on. These countries are being overthrown, their countries are being invaded, and, and there's Israel, why did they want to go and attack Israel in the first place? What did Israel do? None of it makes sense until you start reading Revelation 17, the Antichrist kingdom. Number eight, they talk about tropical Africa. This union has already been formed. It's called the African Union. There's 54 African states that are already a part of this union. It was launched back in 2002, representing 1 billion people. 
huge portion of the planet. They also had their own plans for the African Monetary Union to be administered by the African Central Bank, and they too have a new currency that they're also modeling after the euro. I'm not making it up. It's called the Afro. Some prefer to call it the Afrique. There's a debate going on, Afro, Afrique, whatever. Okay, but that's actually a representative of the coin there, the Afro. And, but either way, they're expecting to get this released in the next several years. So they're going to have their own currency. That's how serious they are. Southeast Asia, number nine on this map. This union's already been formed. Uh, it's also known as the Southeast Asian Nations, or ASEAN. It's the political and economic union of countries in Southeast Asia, a landmass totaling 3% of the planet, the seventh largest economy in the world. And they're also promoting a, a new currency. They're calling the Asian Currency Unit, or the ACU, which is similar to the European Currency Union, which was the precursor to the euro. Again, it seemed like for some reason in our lifetime, that European Union was a watershed event. And once they worked the bugs out on that baby, everything else is falling very quickly. They got the pattern to follow. Okay, let's continue on. This is what's wild. There has been recent talks with India. Now, why is that big news? Because according to this map, who's supposed to go along with this Southeast Asia Union? India. This happened, folks, just a couple months ago, just like with the Russia thing. India is also starting to show signs of being a part of this union because just a few months ago, they got a new prime minister. And that new prime minister uh, is very open now to come along with this union. And if that happens, this Asian union will be now the third largest economy in the world, surpassing Japan, I believe, representing 2 billion people on the planet. Huge force to reckon with. Speaking of which, it's the final one, China, number 10, that was mentioned on that map. What's going on in the geopolitical realm? Now, I don't know if you guys have been amazed, but in our lifetime, in recent years, China has risen out of the blue to not only become a super world power, but a super world economic power. Remember that? It's huge. It's happening very quickly. Okay? Now, what's interesting is because they've been working behind the scenes with their own unions and trade agreements, okay, such as the Asia-Pacific uh, Trade Agreement, or APTA, or the Shanghai Cooperation, or SOCO, okay? And these unions, listen, have not only allowed them to become a dominant political and economic power in the region, but a massive military institution as well. This is like, I, this stuff writes itself. I came across this. I could not believe this. You, you need to check it out yourself. This is from the Strategic Studies Institute of the U.S. Army's Institute for Geostratic and National Security Research and Analysis. You put that on your bumper sticker, and it won't fit on your car. I have to wrap it around the front and whatever. Anyway, but this is from their website. This is the U.S. Army's War College. This is where they do the statistics and all that stuff, okay? According to their website, quote, China's standing armed force of some 2.8 million active soldiers in uniform is the largest military force in the world. Approximately 1 million reservists and some 15 million militia also back them up. This is what's weird. They went on to say this, with a population of over 1.2 billion people, China also, this is their words, not mine, China also has a potential manpower base of another 200 million males fit for military service available at any time. Now see, that goes right through people's ears unless you also read the Bible. The Bible says that's the exact number, shocker, of a force that's gonna come on the planet and destroy one-third of humanity during the seven-year tribulation. I didn't say that. God did. Revelation chapter 9, the trumpet judgments, verse 15 through 16, and the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all people on the earth. Listen to what he says next. And they led an army of what? 200 million. 
the exact number. They didn't say 201. They didn't say 193. 200 million mounted troops. I heard an announcement of how many there were. And how many people were saying for years, oh, that can't be China. You know, China, nobody has an armed force like that. You better pay attention to our own military. And they mentioned the exact number. I don't know, that's pretty interesting. How about you? But folks, you take a look at the fact, you pay attention to the news, open it up with Revelation 17, it all begins to make sense. It's not just a matter when, it's already happening right now before our very eyes. Our world has already been split up into those 10 chunks prophesied 2,000 years ago, and they've already convened with 10 people to rule it when they ultimately get accomplished. It's happening before our very eyes, okay? Now, that's exactly what the Bible said would happen when you're living in the last days. It comes to fruition during this seven-year tribulation. So here's the point for you and I here today. If we see this happening and be informed right now, which is during the seven-year tribulation, how much closer is the rapture of the church which takes place prior? Rapture practice again. It's getting that close. We don't know the day nor the hour, but it's getting close. Now, as the back half of the study, I wanted to back up and I want to deal with that first one that it mentioned there, the North American Union. And I want to get into that a little bit more detail and update you on that because that is not a, a dead horse and it's not a conspiracy theory. Okay, it really is happening. And I wanted to do that because especially for you and I here in America, that's the mind blower. That's the one we think can never happen. Well, folks, it's happening. There is treason going on in our country. I don't know how else to put it. Okay, right now, folks, they are already getting us to surrender our freedom, our national sovereignty, our unique identity, and combine our nations with Canada and Mexico. And the first proof we know that's happening, folks, we are being swallowed up America into one of these uh, tin horn kingdoms that people are calling the North American Union is the currency proof. Okay, the currency proof. We've already seen before, they have actual plans to merge us into this North American Union, Canada, US, and Mexico, and they've already got a proposed new currency. It's called the Amero, okay, is one name for it. As we saw before, it was leaked out on a financial broadcast. Oops. Okay, and then immediately they began to, oh no, that's not true. Those guys don't know what they're talking about. But the founder of the Amero, as we're gonna see here in a second, he admits that all we need this isn't died. All we need is for the right crisis to come along. And we could put this into play. Watch this. There is a move toward a North American Union. The Security and Prosperity Partnership, what some call the North American Union. It's essentially the centralization of power into fewer hands. What would be the benefits for creating the equivalent of the euro? And I had the idea the inspiration to call it the Amero. I think one thing people who are dollar-based need to focus on is the Amero. That's the one thing that nobody's talking about that I think is going to have a big impact on, uh, on everybody's life in Canada, the U.S. and uh, Mexico. It was a new currency for the North American community, which is being uh, developed right now between Canada, the U.S. and Mexico to make a borderless community much like the EU. Our economies now are very integrated. Our societies are growing increasingly integrated. What's needed now is a North American idea for all three. The greatest initiatives have usually originated from some crisis of some sort. And my hope is that eventually, if there is a major catastrophe, there will be enough people around who will say, well, this may be the time to try out this new idea. Interesting. So you create a crisis, and the unthinkable could happen. People are more apt to surrender their freedoms in a time of fear than a time of peace. 
And it's happening with us trying to get our economies. By the way, that guy there on the end, that's Herbert Grubel. He is the founder, okay, of the Amero. And he admits all we need, the right crisis, some event that will freak us out so bad that we'll submit to combining our countries. And again, whether it ends up being called the Amero, North American, all of that's not the point. The point is there is real talk, real pressure uh, to form all of our economies together in one, just like the European Union, this time with Canada, United States, and Mexico. The second way that we know that America is going to be swallowed up into this tin-horned antichrist kingdom, okay? Hey, by the way, like it, lump it, leave it or not, okay? We know it's going to happen according to the Bible in one form or another. I think the big shocker is we don't think it's ever going to happen to us, okay? But folks, I'm telling you, as I stated at the beginning, we better stand up, we better speak up, and we better get motivated because this is not make-believe. The second proof is the highway proof. And you start putting it together from their point of view, it makes total sense, Okay, in order to help these three countries to come together, United States, Canada, and Mexico, then you not only need a single currency, you need a single infrastructure between these three countries to keep the goods of, uh, flow of goods going uh, to feed this economy, right? Well, that too has already been worked on for many years now. Some names that out there, it's called the giant NAFTA superhighway. Uh, uh, some would say it towards Texas, the Trans-Texas Corridor, but it's being built right now in our country. It's going to be supervised by a foreign power in the United States. And believe it or not, a congresswoman was blowing the whistle on this way back in the Bush administration on the House. It's like nobody's listening to her. Watch this. Today, I want to talk a little bit about super NAFTA and what the Bush administration is planning to lock NAFTA in even tighter in this country and across the continent. There's something called the Agreement on Security and Prosperity that is being negotiated by the Bush administration very quietly. No hearings are being held in this Congress. Most Americans have never even heard of the term. This Security and Prosperity Agreement, as it is being called, has no democratic underpinning to it. It's being negotiated by the very same elites that negotiated NAFTA. And let's look at some of the signs of what is happening. It is suddenly clearer why a company from Spain called Sintra wants to be the gatekeeper on this new highway structure. Sintra is a subsidiary of Ferrovial, the Spanish transportation company founded by multi-billionaire Rafael de Pino, who is one of the richest people in the world. The people of the United States had better wake up. That was back in the Bush administration. All out in the open, here's the proof, on the House floor, it's like nobody's listening to her. And you're like, how could that be? But maybe that's just it. Maybe the reason why nobody listened to her is because she's blown out of proportion, man. It's not as bad as it is. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be good. Didn't you hear the title? Security for Prosperity and the Grief. We all want to be prospered and have security, right? Maybe, maybe she, no, actually it's going to be worse than you thought. As she mentioned, there's actually plans for this highway to be governed by a foreign country. And if this continues to go through, we are going to pay here in America a toll to a foreign nation. Watch this. The New World Order is rapidly constructing the physical infrastructure of the North American Union, the NAFTA Superhighway Control Grid. More than 80 federal and state highways have been designated as international arteries. The I-35 NAFTA Corridor starts deep inside Mexico and travels through the middle of the United States and ends in central Canada. 
Container ships from Asia dump their cargo on the Pacific side of Mexico. It then travels duty-free by rail to the new Kansas City inland port, now considered sovereign soil of Mexico, in the heart of the United States. Under international agreements, predominantly foreign companies are placing tolls on already existing paid-for roads. Federal, state, and corporate documents show that they will then use the revenue raised to build up the transportation infrastructure of Mexico, not the United States or Canada, so foreign-made products can pour in even faster from Mexico. Revenues raised will also be used to fund the fledgling North American Union and its growing bureaucracy. Bottom line, they're using our own money to enslave us. I'm Arthur Peterson, Colonel retired in the Army. To think that people would even consider confiscating land of farmers and ranchers and taking their homes away from them, to turn it over to a foreign company in Spain which is controlled by Don Carlos, I understand, a notorious socialist, and they get the tolls on Texas land for 50 years. I see things today that are happening that would make my friend who died in World War II turn over in their grave. And I agree. Who would have thought? Why? Would a sovereign nation, America, as patriarch as we are, turn our backs on the freedom that was so hard fought, won, bought, and played for, paid for with blood, and hand it over to a foreign entity in America? It makes no sense until you start reading the Bible. Revelation 17. We are being sold out. Our country is being sold out from within. And these people, the lie that they're buying into from Satan, is don't worry, you get to be a part of the top and rule the rest of the people. It's going on right now. The third proof and the final proof we're going to take a look at uh, that we're being swallowed up into an economic union uh, is what I call the border proof. And boy, is that a hot topic right now? I'm telling you folks, if you want to know what's really going on, pay attention to this, okay? Again, from their point of view, this makes total perfect sense. If all three countries are going to be tied together in this new North American Union, as you're proposing with the currencies and the highway system to keep that economy going, then obviously you need some sort of way to secure and control the border, right? Not just the flow of goods, okay, but the flow of people, right? You got a serious concern on your hand. How in the world are you going to be able to identify every single person what country they're coming from, who they are, where they're from, and whether or not they're a legitimate citizen of this new North American Union. Well, hey, can you say create a crisis? You can manage the outcome? What do you think, folks, is going on right now with all this border talk lately? Look at the ultimate goal. It all starts to make sense. This border talk and so crisis stuff is all geared to getting you and I conditioned to work towards an universal ID system. And by the way, the border control problem is way bigger than even what they're saying. It isn't just the Hispanic community coming across. The border crisis is so out of control that we have a multitude of countries coming across. Watch this. The local Border Patrol Union is worried talk about amnesty will attract more people who want to enter the U.S. illegally. Joe Steve Solis recently rode along with agents as they patrolled our border 
and they made a surprising discovery. Inside the crossover. Border Patrol agent Joe Gutierrez is familiar with this area of the border. He drove us along the river from the Hidalgo Bridge to Anza Lewis Park. He pointed out important lookout spots along the bumpy trail. Earlier today, me and my partner were here uh, kind of patrolling in the area, and we had three uh, Chinese immigrants come up to us, come up to us directly. I told them I was surprised to hear that. We apprehend people from over 143 countries nationwide. Yeah, and most of the people think that it's uh, just Hispanics or Mexicans from Mexico mm -hmm. or Central America, but we get people from China, from Eritrea, from a whole bunch of different places. Say what? You got people now crossing our border from 143 different countries, even people from China? I mean, I thought we had a border crisis before, but you put on what's really going on. We got a serious one. I mean, and then you think about it, it's like, what are these guys coming across? What if some of these guys are from ISIS and uh, Al-Qaeda, and they're coming across with bombs, and what are we going to do? We got a border crisis. Oh, no. How are we? <gasps> I know. Bill, what if, what if we implement some sort of universal ID card with a microchip in it, and everybody had to carry that card so we can keep track of them at all times and even be able to determine whether or not they could get a job in this North American Union? That's the talk that is being talked about right now. Watch this. President Obama taking on not only health care reform, but another controversial issue, immigration reform. And a key meeting at the White House tomorrow could be the first step toward that reform and for some very big changes for every American worker. Senators Chuck Schumer and Lindsey Graham, bipartisan that is, set to sit down with President Obama tomorrow discussing plans for a national identification card. Now, this thing is meant to crack down on illegal workers, but our next guest says it could crack down on you and your privacy. Congressman Ron Paul is a Texas Republican. He's opposed to this card. Congressman, afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Nice to be with you. It's a great pleasure to have you. All right, so what's the problem with the national ID card? Because its proponents say this is it. This is the thing that's going to finally help us stop illegal immigrants from coming in here and taking jobs. Well, we do have a problem with illegal immigration, but I would say the problems of every American citizen carrying their papers for wherever they go is a much worse problem than illegal immigration. Besides, you can take care of illegal immigration otherwise. But people over this decades now in, in this country, there have been some who have wanted this national ID card, and they're looking for every opportunity to do it. And this is it. I mean, who knows what will come of it. My guess is they'll probably have a GPS chip in there so that they can measure everybody, every instant, no matter where they go. So to me, it violates the whole principles of privacy, the principles of the Constitution, the principles of the Republic. And to me, it's a uh, gross distortion of what we should be doing. It's part of an authoritarian society. And uh, dictatorships have this, but not a, 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 a republic. We're okay, not but, but tell me how. Tell me how it's invasive. Because what, what Schumer and Graham are proposing, uh, according to what I read, is uh, your ID card would have either your fingerprint, your thumbprint on there, or it would have a, a reading of the veins in the back of your hand, and you'd have to be scanned by your prospective employer. And that way, if, you know, if it came up that you weren't legal, they would, they would catch you uh, by, by the scan. So, so let me get this straight. You won't be able to cross the border. You won't be able to get a job, in essence, meaning you won't be able to buy and sell, 
unless you get your hand scanned with this new ID system that we just have to have to fix this crisis. What's that sound like? Step by step, work toward your ultimate goal. Interesting. And folks, that's exactly what it is. This is another crisis waiting to happen. You see, what they don't tell you is there's a fatal flaw in this new universal ID system and any of these ID systems that have a microchip in them. These are external cards that you carry with you. And as we all know, with external cards with microchips in them, they have a fatal flaw. You could lose them or somebody could steal them. So now what are you going to do? How are you going to get across the border? How are you going to verify that you can get a job? How can you buy and sell if that happens to you? <gasps> I know. Joey, what if we take that same microchip identification system that's in this external card and we put it on the inside of you and then nobody could steal it? Wouldn't that be great? Sarcasm. That's right, Mary, sarcasm. And it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to show you the conditioning. We have a whole new generation of people, young and old alike, who are ready to get a microchip in their hand in order to travel. Like these guys. Watch this. Hi there, it's Emil Grastra, RFID implantee. Um, today I'm going to show you my motorcycle that I rewired to accept RFID authentication. So first, uh, you can see that the key uh, is in the off position. And turn on the engine run switch, which also activates the RFID reader. And right now, it turns over, but it doesn't start. But the RFID reader antenna is here. So when I authenticate, the bike powers up. Right now, I have an RFID chip mounted, or <laughs> surgically implanted in my left hand. It allows me to do all the same functions that the card does, but with my hand. Anybody notice the new cars coming out? You just push a button. What, 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 what did that guy say? Let me, let me quote that. The RFID implant does the same thing as the card does, except you can do it now with your hand. All right, it's one thing for them to mandate us to have an external card, but they're never going to mandate us to have a hand implant, are they? Folks, the same Antichrist that is forming these 10 economic unions is the same Antichrist that's going to do just that. Revelation 13, 16 through 7. And he also, he didn't just form this one world government, this 10 uh, kingdom. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark in his what? Right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had that mark. You put it all together, folks. It doesn't make sense, individual pieces, but it all makes sense when you start reading the Bible what a shocker. That's what we Christians are supposed to do. But you also need to continue to read the Bible, folks. This is not just happening, but this is great news, okay? From our perspective as a Christian, Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, what do you do? Stand up, lift up your heads because he's coming back to get us. Our redemption is drawing near, man. These are events that are going to happen in the seven-year tribulation, okay? And we get out of here prior to that, so how much closer is that? Why is that bad? That's awesome, okay? But I will say this, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I beg you, please, you need to accept Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Savior. You don't want to be a part of the Antichrist kingdom. 
It is going to be the worst time in the history of mankind. You want to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You want to be a part of the winning team. Because here's what the Bible says is going to happen to these 10 kingdoms. God's going to smash them down. Jesus Christ is going to do that when he returns. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. In the time of those kings, when he sets up these 10 horns, listen, the God of heaven will set up the kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It, Jesus, will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it himself will endure forever. In other words, you want to be a part of the kingdom that lasts forever, and that's only through Jesus Christ. If you're not a part of it, you better get a part of it today, okay? But as Christians, as we close, if you're here today, it is a time to get busy, okay, sharing the good news of the gospel. Let's tell people to get out of this kingdom and into the one that lasts forever through Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be about. And folks, once again, we need to speak up. We need to stand up, and we need to take a stand for Jesus Christ and for our country before it's too late, like this veteran did. Watch this. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the Founding Fathers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. a call from a viewer who said a business near downtown Reno was flying a Mexican flag above an American flag, which in fact is illegal. And this after photos and comments about the flag were posted on Craigslist as early as 11.30 this morning. When we were able to have a photographer go and check everything out, we found the story to be true. It also didn't take long before the situation provoked a strong reaction. We're now going to show you, unedited, just what happened.
is what happened, right there. I'm Jim Brosser, and I took this flag down in honor of my country with a flag, with a knife from the United States Army. I'm a veteran. I'm not going to see this done to my country. If they want to fight us, then they need to be men, and they need to come and fight us. But I want somebody to fight me for this flag. They're not going to get it back. Turn to somebody and say, it's time to take a stand. Amen. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy, okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. 
And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus.
There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.